So Andrew Bridgen's social gender transitioning bill was blocked in Parliament recently. Just Stop Oil donor admits tactics are failing and are counterproductive. Nick Ferrari lashes out at Minister over shambolic NHS numbers because the NHS from a recent study is one of the worst performing healthcare systems in the developing world. Joe Rogan challenges furious vaccine researchers to debate RF k on his podcast and says he will give 100k to charity as elon piles on with the doctor claiming he knows he's wrong the right not only that there's been a russian coup or not a coup you you make your mind up we're going to be diving into that so absolutely nuts as always but today ladies and gentlemen we are joined by a face who i've got on the podcast a few times and he's pulled through again i didn't have much time this week i i just got back from london i've been in london quite a lot this week um, you know, Edson and all that, but he's pulling through last minute. I sent him a message. It is KJG. Thanks so much for being here. Do you want to give a little introduction about who you are and what you're about? So, uh, hello everyone. I'm KJG. For those who haven't seen me before, uh, I work uh, a lot in my area about uh, youth voice and educating youth politics, and I'm uh, very much enjoying uh, being being here today. Legend. <laughs> it is amazing how you always pull through because. You know, I'm there, the guests cancel, and he's always there, just waiting. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm just on the sidelines, ready, yeah? <laughs> yeah, love it. So, first thing I want to go into is talking about Andrew Bridge and what he's doing, because Andrew Bridge, and we, we actually had a debate last, ep- not last episode, last time you came on about who he was, what he said, and that was when he retweeted a Jewish researcher who compared the vaccine rollout to the Holocaust, not Andrew Bridge, and he retweeted it. But the, now he's speaking about the social transitioning going in schools to have gender. So it has been smeared as like, well, they're saying you can't be transgender. That's not what they're saying. They're saying people need to be informed about what the hell's going on with their kids. What are they being taught? Because there is a lot of nonsense. People out there can listen to this and be like, oh, this is just cultural crap. But you can say it's cultural crap, but this is getting taught in schools. So what, you know, it's easy to just push it aside. It, do, it doesn't exist. This is just the right wing, whatever. But. The facts are there are a lot of things being taught in schools to young people that are complete nonsense. And when I was 17 years old, I was getting taught this nonsense. So there's people who are six who are going to get taught this nonsense. But anyway, a bill introduced to protect the rights of parents to know if a child is socially transitioning to a gender was narrowly voted down by MPs today. So the school gender and parental rights bill, which was introduced by Reclaimed Party Andrew Bidgen, who was kicked out of the Conservative Party for comparing the vaccine rolled out to the holocaust he didn't he retweeted it a jewish researcher but among the measures in the proposed bill which came under 10 minute rule legislation was a guarantee that parents would be informed by their schools if the children wanted to socially transition but a small group of mps gathered to block the bill by 40 votes to 34 votes the balance was tipped by 11 former conservative colleagues of mr bridgen who opposed the safety measures for young people he proposed even though 25 Tories and six DOP members backed him. Mr. Bridgen told MPs, I bring to this house today a bill that is very necessary, which is both grotesque and revealing of an absurdity that turning a blind eye would reveal the effects of what seemingly good faith legislation has had on our education system, schools and society wider. And he basically goes on to talk about what the bill's about and stuff. <clears throat> so I guess w- what are your thoughts, KJG, as a fellow Conservative and what are your thoughts of what's getting taught in schools? Yeah, well, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, and that is that what is being taught at schools now is, is definitely um, evolved into into some quite 
uh, quite detailed, detailed things, right? Uh, that could be well. There's there's loads of things that are taught taught now in in sort of PSHE and RSHE, which um, sometimes you know there needs to be an acceptance that uh, uh, trans people do exist, and you know uh, there needs to be an acceptance of that and educating people about that. But where it goes too far is I think there needs to be a set level of where you're going to teach that. You know, I wouldn't go about teaching it to sort of year two, year three, year four, uh, year five, maybe year six or whatever. Um, but I think when you get to a more mature age in secondary school, you can um, uh, educate people about different societal uh, issues and different societal groups um, without, you know, forcing any type of ideology. And it's a good job that the, uh, despite what the bill was was detailing, that the Conservative government and the Department for Education is going to have a review of PSHE and RSHE in order to help tackle this issue uh, across secondary and primary schools across the country. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's it's not like people are saying trans people don't exist. I mean, obviously, there's people who say that. You've got your Matt, Matt Walsh's, Michael Knowles, who... To be honest, I think ridiculous about the whole issue. Like your whole career is based on talking about trans people. How tragic is that? Imagine what would happen then if they had their little utopia and trans people didn't exist. Then what? Would your career be, mate? Hey, hey. Because that's the thing. All they do is base it on fucking trans people. They have nothing without them. Like their whole career, all the people who pay monthly subscriptions, it's just to do with trans people. Like, it. Like it's it's bonkers that that happens and it is a real issue 100 percent. and the bottom line is this is we need to inform parents about what their kids are being taught i don't think it's too far to say that kids should know what their kids are being taught and they should know things about their kids like <clears throat> even if if they're telling teachers something about themselves or whatever and it's something of that nature i think the you know the parents have the right to know for instance if there are kids who feel suicidal who say they want to kill themselves you know I don't think teachers should hide that from their parents. And I'm not saying that killing yourself is the same thing as trans, but bottom line is that major, major issues and major things happening needs to be informed by the parents. We are seeing a disconnect from that. People go into con- the conspiratorial ending, they say, oh, well, that's their, their planet. One, who are they? And then second of all, <clears throat> like, do you really think there's just pernicious people out there on the masses trying to what separate the parents from the state like i'm a libertarian i don't like the state and i don't think that but like do you think the the rhetoric around all this because we saw people labor mps calling andrew bridge and you know far right racist or whatever i mean pretty much he talks he talks about more national corporations he talks about education somehow they link it to racism do you think that the defaming of andrew will stop or do you think it'll only increase from here I think, uh, well, I mean, I think it's unfortunately going to increase because uh, the thing I do sort of respect about Andrew and some other MPs in the in the house is that they're not afraid to stand up for their point of view uh they might get labeled far it's not far right at all to say that the safeguarding of a child should be protected uh, <laughs> but, a... <laughs> but uh, it's it's like I, I i think it'll increase because there there's a lot more of this being actually put into parliament i find it really really odd that i think it was a few few weeks ago might have been a month ago in prime minister's questions andrew tate was brought up <laughs> and about how he's influencing schools like come on that is not something that needs to go on in parliament and is certainly not something that needs to be needs to be challenged really um i think it'll increase i think it shouldn't increase but it will 
And that is the one thing I do respect about uh, Andrew and many others like him. Uh, he stands up for a view. Sometimes that view is correct, in my opinion. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> but uh, that is a quality that not many people do have in the house uh, nowadays. Yeah, that, that's so true. It's great to see when people, even if you do disagree them, stand up for what they believe in. Now, there are people, obviously, on the loony end who do stand up for ridiculous nonsense. But even when there's a lunatic who stands up for something completely ridiculous, part of you has to think, wow, fair play. You're, you're actually willing to say that. You're actually willing to get the criticism. About what you said about Andrew Tate, I agree and I don't agree because Andrew Tate is a massive cult- cultural icon and he's having massive influence. And I think, like, when it comes to mainstream politics, it's easy to, again, brush aside these things. However they are real and they have real implications and it does what's the Breitbart quote that everyone quotes like culture is downstream from politics I think politics is downstream from culture yeah there we go um and Andrew Tate definitely does have a impact on that it's funny I was listening to a podcast here with Calvin Robinson the priest and I'm not actually a big fan of Calvin but he made a very good point about how he's like Andrew Tate is you know teaching men to like sin in a way and it's it's an angle that i haven't heard about andrew tate it's like he's he's not telling men to like be minimalistic treat people well it's none of that it's like major parts of what he says is just sinning technically if you're a christian it's like you know be wrapped up in ego self-aggrandizement material material items pleasure and people say, oh, he's hard work and all this. Yeah, he's hard working. Yeah, he's in amazing shape. But his what he indulges is sinful. And I, I think I'm very happy to see he's he's gone away from Christianity to another religion. <laughs> but what am I talking about? Anyway, the the bill got voted down. And I think it's a sad, sad thing to see. And especially the polarization of it all. It's like Andrew says parents need to be informed and all of a sudden he's a far-right racist that's where we're at now we can't even have a conversation about parents being informed about being a racist no matter what it is it could be it could be about trees somehow be extrapolated to race but just a poil ladies and gentlemen the organization that has unbelievable amount of hatred a dot one of the massive donors i believe from california multimillionaire admits teachers are failing no not t- no the the tactics are failing and counterproductive. So just stop while donor has said its campaigns are counterproductive and not accomplishing anything. Trevor Nelson, co-founder of Climate Emerging Fund, has condemned performative slow marches in central London. Um, he stepped down as the fund's chairman in 2021, but has now spoken out as he believes the protests have become disruption for the sake of disruption's sake. Working people are trying, this is what he said, working people are trying to get their job, get their kids dropped off, survive a brutal cost of living crisis. There's a certain hierarchy that needs to, they have, he told the Sunday Times. Oh, sorry. If at the same time they have pink haired, tattoo and pierced protesters standing in the front of their car so that their kid is late for the test that day, that does not encourage them to join the movement. It's just performative. It's not accomplishing anything. Nelson said he absolutely believed the movement had become counterproductive. So, KGG, what are your thoughts? Because we actually spoke about this before, but what are your thoughts about Just a Poil and what this big donor is saying? Yeah, I think the uh, the well, the ex donor now, I guess, is is absolutely absolutely right and. Um, you know, they, you know, they'll go and spray their orange paint all over the cricket field like they did today, or they'll go and jump oh, on a today. snooker table. I think it was today or yesterday or whenever <laughs> it was. Yeah, 
uh, or they'll jump on a snooker table or they'll splat paint all over a, all over a building or whatever. But, you know, it's not going to make them any more favourable or uh, give them a reputation other than, other than a bad one with the public. You know, I think I personally, uh, while I have my opinions on sort of environmental issues and what should be done to tackle them, um, the idea of like just stopping oil uh, would have been something that I would have listened to if someone would sit down and have a, a conversation with me about it. But now, uh, when people say, you know, you just want to just stop oil, the message that they have isn't one that I cognitively tie myself to be favoured with, uh, you know, because I'm going to go and board that bus. Oh, no, I'm not. There's someone getting off their bike and going to lay in the road. OK, never mind. Uh, it, it's just disruptive. It's going to challenge people's day and... It's just the wrong way to go about it, which is why uh, the Conservative government is taking action uh, to deal with uh, to deal with these protests. Would you say to someone who says, well, the climate emergency is so urgent, it needs to be disruptive because that's the only way people can listen? Um, I agree that the climate, uh, there is a real sort of danger. There's a, a climate emergency. The news came out that we are due to hit 1.5 degrees uh, in warming, which is sort of the, the cutoff limit of, of that the experts are saying. Uh, but with the second point of that, that it needs to be disruptive, this, I, I just don't find that to be true at all. There's many, many sort of petitions, many pieces of legislation. Many people will listen to a message. Um, many people will listen to a message if it's peaceful, if it's productive, if it's, if it's constructive. And simply, you know, that isn't productive in any way. And with the idea of the climate crisis, the idea isn't for Britain to stop doing oil completely, because that would just, well, that would cripple quite a lot of things. The idea is for Britain to act as a global leader, such as in the energy sector, and go to these events like the G7, like COP27 and all the rest of it, to, to, to sort of get these global agreements and international relations in place so that the world can reduce emissions rather than just as as a country stopping oil yeah that's a great point because we could do as much as we could we could end fossil fuels tomorrow cripple the average taxpayer mino thinks more expensive you know eulers ltns all this nonsense and it would have little to no impact on the world so it's, it's a fair point to say china um well i don't know about russia but china india the us these are the places where like them how they do things actually matters and actually has an effect on the environment and i constantly have this conversation with people who support just up oil and stuff and i say to them and i i don't actually have a massive prejudice against it if someone's there and they really know why they're there and they actually understand the impact the uk has on the environment and even if we did everything they said it would practically do nothing i, I got some respect for you going out there doing what you believe in <clears throat> even if you know in the actually for the uk it will do nothing like again Wait, I can't even fucking remember what's... Oh, I lost my train of thought. But the bottom line is... But the bottom line is... <laughs> that we, as a world, we need to do something about climate change, agreed. But being a just-up oil protester, Extinction Rebellion, and saying the UK needs to do this, UK needs to do that. What, what are you talking about? Because if we did everything you said, what would happen? Pretty much nothing at all. The only positive I could say would be air pollution decrease. But having said that, the way to make these so-called clean products are air pollution in the Congo to get these resources, slave colonies on it. There are definitely ways of doing it ethically. We could bring a bit of manufacturing back here. But there are certain things you need 
fossil fuels for um and it does cost as well people got to be honest about climate change if if people are going to talk about we need to do more for climate change you also in the same vein need to say a lot of people are going to pay a lot more and be poorer for a time being like that's that's reality people can't act like overnight we just we can just transition to renewables and everyone's going to be happy like the reality is a lot of electric renewable stuff costs a lot more and in the long run may pay off but in the short term it's extremely expensive and you know there's been reports that it's going to cost the average taxpayer like 20 grand to get to net zero and people got to be honest about that so if you're out there and you're saying well the climate crisis is massive and you're okay with meaning working class people are going to suffer the most from that be poorer when actual climate change is barely going to affect them in the uk i'm not saying around the world then fair enough but don't pretend that somehow if we <clears throat> if we do everything you're saying that people are going to be better off because the truth is they won't like we we've we look at you les you know it's two hundred thousand people of the poorest are going to be slung into app pre, you know, like poverty people who can't afford to live anyway care workers on 24k but not even take home pay after tax and now we're getting told get a new car you don't fit the scrappage scheme are you going to seriously tell them they benefit from climate change policies what what are your thoughts uh well you know i i completely agree and these sort of policies are being well are being proposed uh in in the uk are you know ridiculous for so many reasons from from you're saying you know having a little little impact to you know having to shunt that cost onto the uh onto the average person which in you know today's today's economic uh state of of, of the country wouldn't be at all good for anyone and um you know with these with these policies we we have the target to be net zero as a country if we can do that and we can do it in a way that is sustainable and that looks after the environment and also looks after the people of the country, uh, both in cost wise and uh, as a social aspect, then we should do it because then we act as a global leader for and a catalyst for other countries to do it. But if not, then, you know, we need to debate that idea of, of, of um, persuading other countries that their influence is far much larger and therefore they need to do uh, the hard work we can't be hypocritical and do nothing but what we can do is go and talk to these countries and, and have proper discussions about it yeah, because it is an emergency yeah i agree and the key thing is we like we need a democratic process for this you ltns you les net zero we need democratic votes in this these are massive things that affect people massively i would support a referendum bit of direct democracy people say well that's ridiculous but these are massive things that affect massive amounts of people. Like we look at North Sea, North Sea <clears throat> um, drilling, um, trade unions coming out to do with the the lacking jobs and places in the north. They are going to be impacted by net zero. So there needs to be a referendum because if tens of thousands of jobs are going to be lost, you're going to pay more for your energy in the short run at least uh, or certain things like ULS LTNs, then people need to have a direct say in that. And we're a democracy so-called and I'm getting a bit sick of this proportional representation stuff. I think we need a bit of direct democracy, referendums, cantonal governance, what we have in, what they have in Switzerland. But anyway, Nick Ferrari, the LBC host, lashes out at Minister over shambolic NHS treatment numbers. So Nick Ferrari couldn't contain his dismay dismay over new figures exposing the NHS failings when interviewing Health Minister Helen Watley. A think tank called the King's Fund just published a study comparing 19 major nations and found British ranks among the lowest for its healthcare system. So it was second worst of 19 for saving lives with the only 
one being the US to be the bottom place. Life expectancy was among the shortest for Brits compared to similar nations too. The report's authors showed seismic fails, falls, I've just about um, managed to read that, Um, routine care during the pandemic, even though other countries managed to hold it together. So he presses her on this and he did a brilliant job basically saying, well, your government's been in government for 13 years. It's in an absolute state and you're seriously blaming the past two years. And I got to say the past years has had a massive effect on it because when you have propaganda left, right and center of people getting told, stay home, save lives, people aren't going to go to the NHS. People are actually told not to go unless they superly needed it. Now we're seeing the impact of that, not only with the stress and everything to do with sage and all of that bollocks but what are your thoughts because you are a tory so you're part of part of what fair to say has been the complete downfall of the healthcare system what is your address to the cuts the bureaucracy and the the tories dealing of the nhs because can you really say they've done a good job you might be able to say oh they've got a few more thousand doctors now but over the 13 years have how have they actually done well compared to population growth well, look, I think, you know, uh, if we take it to this year, uh, as you say, we have employed more doctors. We are building more hospitals. I mean, just in my area, you know, we've got funding through for the regeneration of, of, of the hospital under a Conservative MP. And uh, one of uh, Rishi's top five priorities is to cut, cut waiting lists. So I think... Um, uh, if we take it back to this year, I think we're making progress. But, you know, we can't forget that we have gone through a massive global pandemic. Oh, hang on, not is, this year, though. Like, which you, is, which you, is, you could just go, it, they've been in power for 13 years. Well, you know. Just uh, this year, a few say, doctors were supposed to be, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, you know, as I say, we did go through a, a, a very large pandemic. In which the they, last, they wanted us locked down. So let's In the last that. Sort of yeah. three years. So it's their own and fault. Now we are seeing, we're seeing the impact of, of the backlog uh, from, from that, definitely. Um, uh, well, I, I think that is sort of, uh, that, that's all there is to, to, to say on that. So, hang on. So, so what do you say about before the pandemic when the NHS was in absolute crisis also? Because the NHS has been, you know, stringing along, just about surviving. The wait list has been getting worse and worse. I'm, I haven't checked life expectancy, but there have been, you know, people complaining, doctor stress, nurses stress, strikes, you name it. Are you really going to attribute all of that to the past two years? So you think all the cuts and everything had no impact on the NHS? Well, look, we are investing sort of uh, record amounts into the into the health No, but I'm not talking about now. I'm not talking about now. The past two, three years, I'm talking about all like time before. Like, surely they have. Like, you got to admit the Tories have completely fucked up the NHS. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't. Um, I won't be drawn to to the to that conclusion. I will say that you know uh, we've had some pretty disruptive events over the last sort of. Uh, uh, the last decade as such with, uh, you know, referendums and uh, sort of pandemics and, you know, uh, changes in Westminster and, you know, whatever else it might be. Um, I think the, uh, I, I can't deny the, the, the statistics, of course, that, um, uh, you know, it might point to the fact that the NHS might be in, in, in decline um, in, in that respect. <laughs> Because, uh, well, I actually think it was it has been due to those seismic issues. If we had kept to our sort of 2019 and 
before that referendum policies, then I think we'd see sort of a, a bigger growth. And I, I, I'm quite confident that we'll see that uh, in, in a few more years to come. So to, to the average person out there listening right now, and they've, <clears throat> they've voted Tories or whatever for the past few years, they've seen the complete downfall of it, they've seen the lack of investment, they've seen the bureaucracy, they've seen the mismanagement, they've seen the self-inflicted um, lockdown that caused the backlog, they've seen the propaganda. Like, to those people, what's your response to them who say, you know what, the way I'm go- we're going to fix the NHS is if we vote Conservative, because they've only been in for 13 years and they've only made the situation drastically worse. Let me vote them again. And your like, is, would your response be, well, Brexit, well, the pandemic? Would would that would that cover all of those criticisms of how the Tories uh, have not, dealt with the NHS? I'm not saying well. However, I would say if you want to vote for uh, Sir Softy Keir Starmer to give in to the unions' paymaster demands, then we'll, we can soon see how that how that goes. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, he's a lot more nuanced than I think a lot of lefties, and it's a fair criticism to say that if Keir Starmer gave into all the demands it would be there would definitely be an inflationary effect like for instance when junior doctors are striking when they get I think it's 29k starting pay and it bumps to 35k and then it goes to like 45k in like three years the fact that they won I think they said it was a yeah a 35% increase and they won't even negotiate any lower like that is ridiculous um and people do need to call out some of the stuff going on because i understand when nurses are striking they're barely making any money anyway stressful horrendous environments thanks to the tories um <coughs> i understand that but there are there are fair critics criticism on like the junior doctor strike and it's like hang on you're getting paid un- unbelievably more than public sector your increase in pay is drastic and you want to almost have a 50% increase like in w- no private sector job is asked for a 50 like that type of range but <clears throat> like do you think Labour would then have dealt with the NHS worse the past 13 years than the Tories have? I will say I don't think they would have done a you know fantastic job after they give all of our money to all these unions that are demanding pay increases um well hang on hang on when you say our when you say giving our money a lot of you know the nhs one of the biggest employers in europe so when you say our well i don't know because there's a lot of people who are and there's you know trains teachers nurses doctors all i mean that's in the millions of people so when you say our you're talking about millions of working class people acting like they're some sort of elites when actually they're just regular people well, I, I, I meant the, the sort of the collective money of, of, of the country um, in, in that respect, giving that uh, that to, to the unions. Um, and therefore, you know, you've got no money to reinvest in 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 different things that you want to that you want to spend your, spend the money on. Um, whether they would have handled it worse. Well, Mm, I couldn't. I, I can't, can't, can't make a judgment uh, on that. You, I won't say, you know I won't say we've handled it. I won't say we've handled it fantastically, and we could have done a lot of things a lot better. But uh, I, I'd, I'd like to focus on the present rather than dwelling on the past <laughs> and go right. Okay, we might have got a few things wrong back few then. Few things. You know, Thirty over a decade. We might have got, things. We might have, <laughs> 
we might have got a few things wrong, but let's focus on the five priorities, cutting waiting lists, getting uh, record investment in and new hospitals built, because that is uh, the Conservative government delivering for the British people. And that is what we will continue to do. It, it just sounds nonsense. Like, you know, delivering like it's like me asking you to give me money when I've ripped you off for thir- over a decade. And then you're, you come out and say, oh, wait, no, I won't rip you off this time. I'll stick to it. It's like, well, why the hell would I believe you? You've just ripped me off for 13 what years. What I'll say then uh, is by the time of the next general election in autumn 2024, let's ask the public to reevaluate from here to then how we're getting on. Yeah, and I think they will vote for Labour for sure. I'm, for anyone who's new, listen, I'm actually not a Labour supporter. If you think I am, I'm actually a libertarian. It's just I think the Tories have done an abysmal job in pretty much every way. So... Talking of an abysmal job, so Joe Rogan challenges furious vaccine researchers to debate anti-vaxxer RFK JR on his podcast for 100,000 to charity. So podcaster Joe Rogan, right, so Dr. Peter Hotez, a pediatrician and dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine on Saturday tweeted his concerns about Rogan's interview with Kennedy saying a long shot presidential candidate. Kennedy in the interview repeated debunked claims that common childhood V's caused autism with which Hotel called just awful as he lamented it's clear and actually, people will actually believe the nonsense. And he goes on to criticize him. So, so Joe Rogan tweeted out, Peter, if you claim that RFK is saying it's misinformation, I'm offering you a hundred thousand to charity of your choice if you're willing to debate him on this. Um, so Rogan reached out saying that. I don't think he's actually responded but it'll be interesting to see if he does because, um, so he says, Joe Rogan, if you're serious serious about addressing vaccines, the fact that 200,000 unvaccinated needly perished during, the, so he's talking about the COVID vaccine, um, but he, he says that, sorry, I, I miss, misspoke there, well, I didn't misspoke, but <clears throat> basically, I'm butchering this, Peter, who's the guy who's called RFK nonsense of what he was saying, he said he's not willing to actually even give ground to RFK. So what are your thoughts of this? Because we saw what happened with Dr. P. McCullough, Dr. Brett Weinstein, Dr. Robert Malone, um, Dr. Pierre Corey, all the docs he had on who had a different opinion on the rollout and what's the situation with that. But now it's moving on to another category that is the Vs in general. Now, I just want to make this crystal clear. I'm actually a massive supporter of Vs, right? I think Vs are very good. Um, I think that they've saved millions of lives. They've done an incredible job. And I'm actually completely disagree with RFK on this. I'm skeptical of the COVID V. I really am because the research is clear as day that it needs to be investigated. No other V in history has had not even close to the amount of reactions to this V. So so that's why I think it should be investigated. Plus, there's never in history been this amount of physicians, some of the top physicians who have spoken out against out against this but what are your thoughts kjg of the situation well you know i do think that any medical advancement is is probably you know a good one and uh, that we should continue to support uh, scientists and, and researchers in all things that they do with this particular sort of case um i i, I last time i spoke uh, you asked me about um uh, sort of uh, physiologists and and their differing uh, differing opinions to the chief medical officer and uh, government advisors and then you've asked me um what 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 should they do about it and i said well maybe they should 
have a debate about it. And well, you know, here we go. Uh, so I think the refusal to Look at it this way. If you want to have a conversation with me about any topic, not you particularly, but anybody, I'm more than willing to sit down and have a debate, have a conversation, as long as you can chain together a reasonable argument and it's not, oh, yay, but, you know, Liz Truss, because <laughs> that's the argument of many, many people, I'll tell you that. Um, with this, I think, actually, if the expert in the area feels so strongly about the facts... They should sit down, have a debate, have a conversation. If they're so solid about the proof and, and its longevity and everything else, if they've got the proof, got the studies, got the facts, they shouldn't have a problem. And the fact that there's also this bonus to to charity, I believe it was 100,000, I think, um, that's just an even bigger bonus because if you're that strong on your facts and, you know, this guy, um, RFK is, you know, running to be Democrat uh, nominee in the future, if you're that confident about something, and there's that bonus. I don't see why not. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not only... So the argument he would say is, well, I don't want to go on platform. I don't want to give him notoriety. But the bottom line is, one, he was super famous before he went on Rogan. Two, he's actually incredibly at like 20, 25% in the polls, which is absolutely nuts in America. I can't believe he's reaching that high. But based on all the hit pieces on him, and in all fairness, a lot of the hit pieces are actually accurate. It's like a lot of hit pieces that usually come out they are actually got a lot of fact behind the hit pieces so he's ran this organization called children's health defense that is anti the v's for child childhood v's and a lot of it is complete nonsense it really is complete nonsense um i've seen debunkings of it completely but legit debunkings um i've seen debates with him i followed rfk for a while so this isn't like i'm just chirping up all of a sudden i've actually followed him for years um i know a lot of people are only just starting to kind of find out about him since he ran for president like president right now with the nominee but overall president and also because he went on rogan but i completely agree he needs to debate um because you're not you're not giving him less of a platform if you don't debate him if anything you give him more because he's making you look shit now this guy who called him out he's actually one of the worst people to call out because his lifestyle he says he's addicted to junk food and all this so he's probably the worst possible person to debate this you want to get some like eminent doctor or uh virologist who's in good shape and stuff to debate this that would work a bit better enough and i don't know body shame but it's not going to work that well when you're saying health health this health that and you know you're you can't even look after yourself in the most simple sense no offense to people who can't but like it's a fair point um and second of all yeah you gotta let the science speak if you're so sure that this guy's chatting nonsense debunk him debate him you know we, we've seen this during covid where doc, physicians come out you know from the best places in the world might be oxford stanford you name it professor carl hannigan from oxford professor of Ev evidence-based medicine he comes out and says debate me any doctor anytime anywhere debate me debate me about this about what's happened the rollout no one wants to do it and someone like him's legit because he's not anti the rest of the v's and i feel like people do kind of go on this rabbit hole where they question the COVID V that has a lot of legitimacy to it, you know, endless physicians, endless studies, endless databases from around the planet. They question that. And I think I completely with question it. And then they extrapolate that to all these. And we see this throughout, throughout so many issues where it's like, if put, put one person questions one thing, they feel like they need to question everything. They, like what, what your thoughts? 
Well, you know, I, I as I say, you know, there should if they're so strong on the facts, go and go and have that discussion, go and have that debate if you're so so sure. Um in regards to that particular, you know, example, I think you know my thoughts after however many times I've been here, you know, safe and effective, all of that uh sort of stuff. Um I don't think we'll ever agree on on that, but there you go. Well what if it got um, pulled from the market, then what? Well, we'll. Uh, well, what do you say then? If, maybe, if, yeah. What do you say then? If maybe happens? we'll, maybe we'll have a discussion if that ever happens. Mm. Um, what would your we'll reaction see. be if it did get pulled? Like, you know, let's say Pfizer got pulled. Well, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to read into it, but um, it would be, it would be a story, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> you just say, say the signs it, change, wouldn't you? You just say that. Well, yeah. I I would say whatever. There's, there's the, never a wrong or right. Whatever. It's just the science changed. <laughs> I would say whatever my <laughs> formulated opinion was, but that's not going to happen for the time being because of its uh, of its uh, safety, as as we know, um, based on uh, based on Pfizer's data. Yeah, trust the company, guys, from the companies. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think that's all there is. I think that's all there is to say on that. Yeah, well, about that, like, it, like it really is lunacy, you know. A, a company, let's say a car company, they're they're testing cars, and they have people come out from the car manufacturers and say, "There's something dodgy going on here. We should investigate it." They seem unsafe to me. Then those people get fired, and you don't listen to them, and then you base your view of the car on the car company, and then all the other car companies are saying, "Oh, that car company is super corrupt," but you don't trust them. You trust the car company who made the car. And then after it gets rolled out, you have all these problems and they pretend nothing's there and they say, no, look at the car company. They said it's, sa- they said it's fine. That- that's in the situation we got. And people say, oh, well, we got the JCVI and the MHRA that regulate it. Um, right, okay. These are privately funded organizations. The JCVI took massive private donations. The MHRA over 80% is, well, 70 to 80% is funded by private companies. What what independent regulators are you talking about? Oh wait, you're talking about in fucking Fairyland, mate. <laughs> but well, just just for YouTube. Uh, well, seriously, and also in general, do not take this as medical advice. This is not medical advice. Talk to your own personal doctor. Do not listen to people on the internet. You know, we are just two people. We're not doctors. Do talk to your own professional health professional. Do not listen to us. Um, definitely. And it's it's an interesting story. I wonder if he will do it. It'll be fantastic if he does it because. He had Malone, McCullough, Pierre Corey, all these dogs on before, and they said they're up for debate. No one would debate them. Um, <clears throat> so it'd be amazing to see it at a debate on Rogan. Probably be his biggest episode ever. I can't see a bigger episode. Can you? It'd be very hard. It'd be very hard to to say. Um, it would be a very interesting listen. Let's put it that way. It really would, and I would be on the side of the position coming in because I. I've looked it into it and it just that doesn't add up. It really doesn't add up compared to the COVID V. COVID V, there's something there. The others, <clears throat> you know, may that be MMR, may that be polio. You know, there there really isn't. Like I've looked into it. Um, but yeah. So so talk finishing off the Russian coup that wasn't fell flat. The next one might not. So coming in from the Guardian, days after Russia extradited itself from the biggest domestic political crisis in decades, Putin. And the Wagner mercenary chief, Yevgeny P- P- 
Prisono <laughs> continued to deal with the reverberations. Amid the uncertainties, this is much clear that the saga has produced no winners. So for Putin, the consequences of the turmoil are obvious. The Wagner Group un unimpeded march to within 200 kilometers of Moscow, took Russia's military and intelligence services by surprise and exposed Russia's system right large as utterly inept. A far cry from an image of competence and strength that Putin has cultivated assiduously since the rise into presidency in 1999. Wagner's capture of Rostov, a city of million and the headquarters of the southern military district, and now its onward northward march towards the capital along the M4 highway left Russia's strongman looking like a hat hapless bystander that at minimum tarnished the image of as an essential ingredient of its overwheeling power so it's fascinating what's going on here because we see things in the west like oh russia's weak russia's weak all this you can't believe half it because half it is propaganda and then you've got the other side russia saying oh ukraine are weak and it's difficult to grasp what's happening but what are your thoughts well you know with this situation i don't think people actually realize how close we, we kind of were to a, a civil war in some way. Um, you know, you know the, the things got relatively sort of um, relatively sort of close. You know, as you mentioned, uh, the closeness to, to the capital of Russia, uh, you would have thought, you know, it'd be bish bash bash really easy, really overdone. Um, but but it wasn't. And I, I, I do think it does expose uh, as, as, you know, the... Um, the article uh, says, it does expose uh, the, the state of, the Russian uh, uh, defense systems in, in, in that way. And, um, you know, we must remember, you know, we are in sort of a geopolitical uh, conflict in, in Eastern Europe. Um, but, yeah, I think it does expose uh, quite a lot that we might have been a little bit more shaky on before. And I think people need to realize how close we were to a civil war in Russia. Yeah. Like, it, it's crazy how much it got swept on the rugs, the fucking submarine story and stuff. Well, actually, no, 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 not that. But there were, I can't remember, there were some other stories that kind of took, it was about Trump and stuff. And it's it's very scary because it's like, even if that does happen, people talk about Putin being super evil, and he is. But if he goes, who's to say someone worse couldn't come along? Like, I, I don't know too much about Russian politics. But there's also an angle that classic me going for it. So I spoke a while back about the <clears throat> neo-Nazi problem in Ukraine. Now, people want to say this is Russian propaganda. They want to say that. There is a problem there, all right? For the past, you know, five, ten years, there's been mainstream reporting in Ukraine about the serious problem of the infiltration of white nationalist neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian army. You've got the Azov Battalion. You've got people in the mainstream army. Like, there's, there's an issue there. And I had reports, and there were very credible sources who said that in Mariupol, in Mariupol there were Russian neo-Nazis fighting with Ukrainians against Russia because they think... Putin's too left wing. So there's this other angle where I've heard reports that Wagner's you know, m military, whatever you want to call it, actually has massive um, amounts of neo-Nazis in there. Maybe it's a small amount, but there's a, there, I've heard there is a problem of neo-Nazis and white nationalists in the group, right? And they've had some weird messages where they've almost supporting not attacking Ukraine. So my question is, are we seeing a <clears throat> sort of neo-nazi coalition going on here that potentially um that that's the situation where wagner knows that there's a lot of um <clears throat> no sorry that's not his name that i can't even remember his name they know that there's kind of 
you know, fellow neo-Nazis in Ukraine. So they're against Putin's invasion of it and also they know all the destruction. So it's an angle that I think is a fair point because I've said for a long time, we're funding the madness of Ukraine with no end goal in sight. We'll retake Ukraine, whatever how that means, because then what? what's Putin going to do? But <clears throat> do you think there's a possibility that there's, there is some sort of almost passive agreement of neo-Nazism in both armies? I think it's an angle that I, you know, haven't considered, uh, actually, and I'm sure many others haven't considered it either. And it does seem to be quite a persuasive one, actually. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that, that is sort of in opposition to a lot of, of, of Putin's, you know, policies. You talk about the invasion of Ukraine against that. And, you know, we haven't had an opposition in Russia since Navalny. Um, so, again, you know, who knows? But at the end of the day, we just have to realise that, uh, the actual armies of both countries aren't, aren't, you know, in the wrong. They're doing what they're told. To, at the end of the day, the the tyrant at the end of it all is is Vladimir Putin himself. Well, that's an interesting take and a philosophical take. Because are they like if you comply unjust orders, who's guilty? Do you think it's the leader, not the individual? Well. I, mm, I do see why people would argue uh, both ways against that. But, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, as I said, I just reiterate that the, the tyrant who's ordering it all is Putin's. So therefore, we can't blame anyone but Putin. But then again, you know, I do see the argument of um, sort of rebellion in, in that respect. So it's 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 an interesting discussion. So do you think that the Nazis <clears throat> who rounded up the Jews, were, were they evil or were they just doing what they're told? I, well, I, whether that's a comparable event, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. Um, trying to think of this. Uh, I think that everyone, uh, obviously, in if we go back to the situation in in Ukraine. That obvious, obviously the Russian army plays a part. Otherwise, you know, if they all just went, you know what, no, and left, there wouldn't be a war to fight. So obviously they have to have that understanding of, well, I'm going to do it. So there you go. I'm evil in, in that respect. But the person at the head of it all, my opinion, is the most evil because they can implement systems of control onto individuals to, uh, to make them do other actions, if that makes sense. Well, that's another interesting philosophical <laughs> debate because then you go into the realm of if you're extrapolating evil to a scale, then so, so like, for instance, let's say there's you have a friend and he lies to your face, you know, cheats on you with your girlfriend, steals your money, um, I don't know, kills your dog. Like, it's just a cunt of a human being. You could extrapolate and say, well, Hitler was way more evil. So if evil isn't, precedent to the individual then it just kind of degrades what the hell evil actually is because there's people in my own life who i would say have done very evil things and actually resonate some evil but on the grand scheme of evilness compared to people like hitler they're you know pile of piss so what like do you extrapolate evil to everyone or the individual <laughs> well they are god <laughs> philosophy um it's an interesting debate to have uh I guess it really depends on the situation, you know. Obviously, if someone has a, such an impact on your life that they are just, you know, a total 
you know, total. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, get myself in trouble here. But uh, if, if the, you know, because something that happens to you and you could see them as the most awful human being on the planet, grand scheme of things, they didn't commit mass genocide across the globe, right? But to you, it is the most painful experience ever. So I guess it does depend on on the situation. Definitely goes both ways. Uh, I say with sort of intent, you know. God, um, it it goes both ways. I just, I just, I, I have nothing more to say. That that is a good point. Intent, because if your intent is to truly cause pain, that then you're, then you are an extent of evil because you. And then the question is, what is evil? <laughs> That's yeah, not yeah, yeah, it's not going yeah. there. Beer all night. Yeah. But, but like, I would say personally, the people who were rounding up the Jews, <clears throat> there's an argument there. Fair to say that they were just doing orders. They didn't want their families to get caught up. There's a fair argument there. When it moves to the gas chambers, I think bottom line, they're evil because, like, yeah, if they didn't comply, chances are they they might have been shot. A good chance they would just get sent back to camp deployed somewhere else i don't think they'd be shot maybe they would be shot and that is a serious question what do you do in that situation um but i would say the nazi soldiers now there were obviously germans fighting in the front line in the trenches and all that and they you can say that they were not evil because they were just standard troops infantry nothing to the jews just you know cadden fodder but then those who actually rounded the Jews up, I would say that they are evil because they had a choice. And it's easy to shift blame and say, well, they could, what about their family and all this? I appreciate that. But there's a certain, there's a time and place where you have to say no. You have to, even as inconvenient, painful, whether it be physical, mental, you need to draw the line in the sand because if there is not a line in the sand and everything can be twisted to, well, this, well, that, then evil evil flourishes and the famous phrase is what does it take for evil to um flourish for good men to sit back and do nothing like and we saw that again i'll bring it back to the past two years it was people out there who were just wearing wearing their nappies on their faces doing what they're told government harder daddy fires and moderna eight masks you name it ukrainian flag like all that <clears throat> that like the reason the things happened was because of them the reason we we have a massive um issue with people not working is because those people wanted lockdown they wanted bigger lockdowns the reason we have a massive backlog is because they supported lockdown the reason we have massive inflation supply chain issues is because of lockdown yes some to have brexit a lot of it to do with that the reason we have like the mass printing of money like there's endless things that uh, correspond to this like nhs people in waiting beds in the nhs oh sacking 40,000 care home workers definitely didn't have any effect on that like i could go on but bottom line is if you comply within things that are objectively wrong <clears throat> you are committing an evil act even if you don't think it's evil because it's the banality of evil if a nazi officer c- flicks the switch well i doubt they had switches then handle right i should probably should be making a joke like that um, a handle on a gas chamber they are evil it doesn't matter if the banality of evil means that their their kids can eat or whatever the fuck they are evil and that's that's the thing banality of evil people thinking they're doing the right thing when actually it's evil <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean I, I you know I, I i think the where evil comes in is if you've got a choice 
really. You know, if you've got a choice, then there's the possibility to do something evil. I mean, there's probably exceptions to that. I've just <clears> thought of that off the top of my head. But, you know, I think it, it just philosophy and ethics debates could go on for hours and hours. So, you always have you a know, choice. Would you say there you, you go. Like I would say you always have a choice. You don't. I don't think you... Um... I was going to say I don't think you I don't think you don't always have a choice, but I can't really think of an example. Um, gosh, uh, yeah, I don't think there's some instances where people don't have a choice, right? I mean, you could argue that you just you could just stop doing whatever you're doing and hope for the best, but I, I don't really think that's that's a choice as such when there is a, a clear choice where you can go yes or no that's when i think that you can really play with that uh the the psychology behind it but most most choices aren't black and white so then if you have that logic then almost everything isn't a choice it's just preference or well I, you know most most things aren't you know yes or no as you say but, but it is a choice most- like you know, Most like I could say, something yeah. or something else. Yeah, right? like, I could say, you know, I I don't want to take a certain job because of this. Oh, but it might be good. Oh, but it might be bad. Oh, I could argue. Well, I don't have a choice because I need a job anyway. I just got to make money. Well, you do have a choice. You are making the decision, but to you, that's not a choice. But if it's something really evil, then it's almost you don't have a choice. But if it's something simple, it is a choice. I think the result of a choice, in your example, it has one or two in, one or two outcomes, right? It's either you take the job or you don't, and that is the that is the the the, the thing. It comes down to two outcomes for the majority of situations, right? And I think that's that's what I'm uh, I was trying to get at, rather than rather than choices as such, because no matter what choices you make, uh, you're gonna get to one of two outcomes in most situations. But you you could argue exact same with Nazi Germany. They were either gonna be shot or lose their jobs or be deployed somewhere else, or they could do the acts that there are the you know the choices are there. <clears throat> the choices are there to to do it right. Yeah, fine. Uh, I think you know if an example is you're being forced to say something with you know a gun to your head, right? It's not really a choice that you have to what well, you have but the it choice, is a choice but it's yeah. a forced but it is a choice because it's if you choice. if you don't uh, do yeah, it but... that's your choice you'll survive you chose to survive and if you chose not to then you chose to die it might be the unfortunate decision but it's still your decision no one else is you are the person who controls your um not eardrums your vocal cords no one else is is yanking a chord they're saying yes no you are the one who says it yeah no yeah yeah. (laughs) well well done well done i can tell you not many people can do that well done yeah well you're right yeah Yeah, well, brilliant, brilliant conversation, brilliant way to end. I think fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! I well, look forward to this when it's out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great because I'm learning on the go as well. I have thought about the thing of choice. I really thought hard about that during COVID and what I do. Like I said to myself, 
if I'm going to be kicked off my course because I haven't took the V, I'm willing to do that even though I don't want to. It's going to ruin loads of things for me. I said to myself, at the time I was doing delivery, but to be fair, I was making like, I know it's only delivery, but I was actually making quite good money and I was only like 16. I was making good money from it. And I said to myself, if they ask me for my V, I'm just going to lose my job. If the job that I want to get in the future, they ask me for me, I'm not going to do the job. I didn't go to my, then this is the other thing about choice. I didn't go to my nan's 80th, even though I wanted to in Ireland, <clears throat> when all the family together, and it could have been a last year, she's 80, and I chose not to go. And there was all this pressure, oh, I should go, I should, I should just take it, I should just show my passports, all this. But I made the choice. I didn't want to make that choice, but I'm, I said to myself, I cannot live in a society where that is okay. So I cannot comply in something I disagree with. And that was my, even though it was painful and they didn't want it, it was my choice. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Really do appreciate it. It's been a brilliant chat as always. Where can people catch you? And any last words? Well, I mean, uh, last words are, wow. Uh, you know, that got quite... Um quite quite interesting you know uh, I, I um i don't know what to say you can catch me on instagram at official.kjg uh if you want to follow my my stuff there i sort of talk a bit about you know whatever goes on and repost some stuff so you can contact me over there brilliant well thanks for coming on always amazing <clears throat> talking to you we've got to do this in person sometime be quality yeah yeah Definitely, yeah 100% and um yeah thanks so much for listening ladies and gentlemen really do appreciate you all thanks so much for tuning again love you all give it the five stars if you'd enjoy it or give it the one stars if you hated it to death on apple spotify wherever you're listening it would mean so so much follow me on pod on instagram at reg podcast or if you want to come on the show we've got some absolute bangers coming we've got a pre-recorded one it's an absolute banger got an episode i'm shooting in two weeks that will be, and it's something I've been planning for so long, I've been talking about forever on the podcast, but it's an episode that will be the strangest and potentially the most propound episode I ever do, ever, of any guest I have ever done. It's something, people aren't expecting it. It's something completely different. I've been really, think like, yeah, I'm not going to say what it is. People won't be able to guess. It's something very weird and different, but it's going to be, crazy um but yeah thanks so much for listening love you all and i will see you next thursday at six o'clock it's a bye from me bye from me peace